Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks Thanks be to to God, who gives us victory, the victory, the victory, through our Lord Jesus Christ. And welcome back to the Living Victory Podcast. My name is Christian Conway. As always, I'm joined by my two main men, Max Keen and Jonathan Kraus. How are you guys doing today? Um, I'd like to clarify that I'm your best man, um, but I'm doing okay. I trying to come up with something way to say about what you just said about being his best man, but nothing really came to my mind. It was all blank, I'm not going to lie. Pretty, school is just my life right now, and I have to accept that. That's just the way things are right now, and it's going to be like that for the rest of the semester. So this podcast is definitely a break uh, from the normal day life and from the grind of school. So especially now, because obviously school is, well, for me, it's all online, um, which means I get even less personal interaction, because that's one of, the, one of the cool things about school is all the interaction that you get with other students, sports, um, intramural stuff, like events and all that. And of course, that isn't really going on. Um, I mean, they have virtual events and stuff happening, but that's just not the same. It doesn't have the same vibe to it as, as meeting new people and just having fun with others, especially now because I can't do... Um, one of the main things I was looking forward to about going to a four-year university was all the cool Christian groups that they have, like Crew and, and Young Life. And um, uh, there's another one that I can't remember the name of, but there was a bunch of them that I wanted to check out. And I have friends in like all of them. So I was super excited about that. And now they aren't really doing much right now because of COVID. So yeah, uh, definitely life just seems a little bit more boring and more of a grind right now. But this is uh, all the more reason to dig in. Um, keep pursuing God in our personal lives so that when the world opens up a little bit more, we can be ready to give a reason for the hope that is in this. Yeah. A wise man once told me that you should not forsake your times of study because they prepare you for your times of experience. I don't know who said that. They sound like they know what they're talking about though. <laughs> yeah. All the regular listeners are, listeners of our podcast would get that inside joke. See, bro, we're growing so fast and so hard that we already have inside jokes in this podcast. Look at that. We're going to have a million listeners before we know it. How great would that be? (laughs) Speaking of listeners, today we're going to take a break from our apologetic series. Don't worry, it's coming back. We have more episodes that we want to dive into in the future uh, in that apologetic series. But the reason we're taking a break today is because we got a really good email from one of our listeners. And this email has a, a list of questions, like really deep, important questions about the faith. Um, and they were asking us to, to explain these questions and to, to help them find the answers to these questions. And we, we just saw this email and we're like, this has to be an episode, like all the great questions in this email. Uh, there's, there's so much to dive into so much to look at. There's uh, four main questions that we're going to be answering today. We'll go through them one at a time. Uh, the first one is what is the Holy Trinity like? So we always talk about Jesus, uh, you know, the son and then God, the father, and then God, the Holy spirit. But what does that actually mean? Like how, how can there be three, but also all of it only be one God. So that'll be the first question. The second question, uh, has to do with prayer and it's when we're praying it, it's, it almost sometimes seems like we're just closing our eyes and just talking to thin air. So what 
how do we know if we're actually talking to God and how do we, how do we know if he's responding to our prayers? What, what confidence does God give us through his word um, and through experience that we, we can know that when we're praying, we're not just throwing words into the air, that we're actually talking to the creator God. The third question has to do with heaven, that the way the Bible describes it uh, to a lot of people, it seems like heaven is just going to be us kind of chilling around, you know, praising God all the time, like floating. We're going to be spirits floating up in heaven, praising God for eternity. And that doesn't really sound fun. So they they wanted to know, like clarifying, what does heaven actually look like? What are, what can we look forward to uh, when it comes to heaven uh, and, you know, the end times? And, and once the once Jesus comes back and and the great battle of Revelation happens, what what are we going to look forward to? What is the world going to look like after that? And the final question is, when you have a friend who's not necessarily a Christian, how can you talk to them about the faith? How can you share the faith with them? And then also, how can you invite them to settings in which you can help them to dive deeper into the faith? So whether that's a youth group or just inviting them to church or inviting them, like like Jonathan said earlier, to a college ministry like Crew or Young Life or Navigators, uh, inviting them to something like that. How can we reach out to our non-Christian friends and invite them um, not only into our personal walk with Christ and talk to them about that, but also help them come into a community of believers so they can see what it's like to be a part of the church. So we're really excited to dive into these four questions. Uh, there's so much to explore in these four questions. We're going to go through them one at a time in this episode. And I, I just hope that that we get a lot out of these questions because they're so like, obviously we're not going to be able to do justice to each and every single one of them in this, this episode today, but we want to just do an overview of each question uh, to help because we know that there's, there's other listeners out there who have had questions or doubts about these things at some point in the past. So we just, uh, we saw how valuable these questions were and we wanted to dive into them to help you guys understand what God's word says about each one of these things and how we as Christians can have uh, confidence in God in each one of these aspects of our life. So first question we're going to talk about, or really idea we're going to talk about is um, the Trinity. Now, the Trinity is probably one of the hardest things for us to understand. Uh, and we can't really fully explain it. It's something beyond our comprehension. Um, but we have an idea, sort of, of what it looks like. Um Obviously, we know that it is fundamental to our faith, to the Christian faith, and it's seen throughout Scripture. You're going to see it even from Genesis, um, just throughout the entire Bible. And so each member plays their part throughout Scripture, and they have different roles and different jobs that they each perform. Um, We can't. Like I said, we can't really fully comprehend this. And a lot of this is going to be a lot of what the Trinity isn't more than what the Trinity is, because we don't really know. Um, we, we just can't wrap our minds fully around it. But the Trinity ha- is three, um, three members, God, the Father, God, the Son and God, the Holy Spirit, all God, while only while they're only being one God. So together they're unified as God, and yet there's still only one God. Now, people used to, or people use analogies like, you know, the egg or the apple or the water, 
Um, but those really don't, they don't do it the right way. Um, they're not completely accurate. Uh, we don't really have, um, we don't really have an idea of what it could be, but people use that analogy of like the egg where it has three parts, you know, the shell, um, the outside of the egg and then the inside I'm drawing a complete mind break. The yolk or, and the egg white. Yeah, that's what it is. Sorry. My brain is just kind of shut off from school anyway. So they say like it has those three parts, but they're all one egg together, but that that doesn't quite explain a lot of things, but each plays their role. Um, God the Father, we know him as the creator, the one um, who he kind of oversees everything, I guess you could say. Um, and Jesus Christ is the son he lived died um rose again for our sins he was the sacrifice um, for our sins and the holy spirit is the spirit that dwells within us um, and so each member is divine as god while they're still only being one god and it's super super confusing to think about um, but that's a little bit of a glimpse of what we have, uh, with the Holy Spirit, or I mean, uh, with the Trinity. Okay. So I know, uh, there are going to be some people out there like me who were really curious about this, this Trinity thing that we have in Christianity. Um, and it seems like there's not a lot in scripture to back it up at first glance, uh, because obviously there's not a verse that says, and God is three persons in one, yet they're all distinct in their own way. Um, and by the way, that's that's where a, a lot of the analogies, this is just a side note, a lot of those analogies, like the egg and the apple, um, I know personally I always use the apple when I'm sharing uh, or talk, talking about the Trinity with other people. The apple has the skin, uh, the fruit, and the core, um, but it only makes up one apple. So you have one apple, but three distinct parts. Where the analogies break down, though, is if you separated one of those distinct parts, it would still be a whole apple. That's where it gets really confusing. So you have God the Father, uh, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you separate one of them, it's still fully God in and of itself, or in and of themselves. So that's where it's it's there's a distinct confusion, and a lot of people say that understanding the Trinity is is sort of like understanding uh, like the fourth dimension. Um, you can sort of get an idea of it in your head, but you can't visualize it because it doesn't really exist in, in terms of what we know and can see today because we don't have anything on earth that resembles that perfectly. Like we can't make a perfect analogy for it because it doesn't exist on earth. So you can kind of get an idea for it in your head, but trying to visualize it will just make your head go in circles. Trust me, uh, I've spent <laughs> some nights trying to figure out what the Trinity really looks like uh, in terms of our earthly understanding. And it's pretty difficult. Um, but in terms of scripture, uh, what are some scriptures that, that sort of give us, you know, insights into the Trinity? Uh, well, starting with the Old Testament. Um, in the Old Testament, there's certain words used for God that are actually plural in Hebrew form. Uh, for example, Elohim, 
um, the Hebrew word Elohim is in plural form, um, signifying that there is some plurality to God. Uh, we can see this in Genesis when God creates man. He said, let us create God or let us create man in our own image, sort of talking about uh, like showing the plurality of God. Uh, we can see this also in Psalms. Um, I think it's Psalm 110. Uh, David refers to two different, uh, he uses two different words to refer to God. And those are uh, Adonai and uh, I think the other one's Elohim, but it might be, uh, it's Yahweh, it's Yahweh. So, um, and that's in the, in the same Psalm, he uses two different words to reference God, sort of just signifying that there's more to God than seems like just one person. Um, and then going through to Isaiah, um, this is kind of a fun one. So in Isaiah 42, it says that uh, God does not share his glory with anyone, or he does not give his glory to another. Um, and then we see in John 17, in Jesus' high priestly prayer, prayer, where Jesus says, uh, Father, thank you for the glory that you have given me. So in Isaiah 42, it says God does not give his glory to anyone. And in Jesus' high priestly prayer, he says, thank you for the glory that you have given me, or according to the glory that you have given me. So if God does not share his glory with anyone, and he shared his glory with Jesus, that means Jesus has to be God. Because God sharing glory with God is, is not sharing glory with another. I know, kind of confusing, but a really cool uh, yeah, evidence for, for the Trinity. And we also see in, in um, when Jesus was being baptized by John the Baptist, we saw the Trinity sort of in communion with one another. We had Jesus on earth being baptized. We had the Holy Spirit descending like a dove. And then also God the Father saying, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. And there's also um, a passage in 2 Corinthians 13, all the way at the very end, verse 14. Uh, Paul says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit will be with you all. So it, there's references all over scripture for uh, the three parts of the Trinity. Um, unfortunately, there's not like a passage that talks about the doctrine of the Trinity and how it all works and everything. That would have been really nice to have. But there's definitely all kinds of evidence in scripture for the triunity um, or the yeah, the triunity is the best word I got right now to explain, you know, how God is, is really three distinct persons, but still one God. Uh, probably the best analogy that I've heard is the government analogy. So you have the government and there's, you can view God as like, there's three sections of the government and each section is sort of performing their own duties for the country. Um, but they still operate under this one banner of government. So, Probably the best analogy I've heard, again, it breaks down, of course, but just to give you some earthly understanding of a little bit of what the Trinity is like, that's that's probably the best one that's that I've heard. And I think that there's one key element when it comes to understanding the Trinity, because, of course, we keep saying it's three in one and there's you know three distinct persons, but it's all one God. But there's one thing that if you don't have this in your mind when you're thinking about the Trinity, then you're not going to be you're not going to be able to understand the Trinity. And you're not going to be able to understand creation and why God chose to to make us and to create the world and to create human beings. And that one thing is love, uh, because we know that God is love. We're, we're told in the book of First John that God is love. But what does that mean? What does it mean for God to be love? Well, when we take the fact that God is love and we combine that with the knowledge that God is three in one, then we can put those together and it, it makes a really cool mental image. And, and we can really get a cool picture of God 
when we think of it this way, because we can only know about God what he has revealed to us. It's, it's the same way with any relationship, even, even relationships on earth, your relationship with your mother, your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your kids. You only know as much about that person as has been revealed to you. So anything that they've chosen to reveal to you, anything that has been revealed to you through your interactions with them, that is how you, you learn about that person and know about that person. So it's the same way with God. What we can know about God, as much as we can know about God, is all that he has revealed to us in his word. And we know that he hasn't revealed at all because there are mysteries that we won't know until until the last days when we're with God, when we're celebrating with him. Um, but there are things that he definitely has revealed to us in his word. And one of those things is found in John chapter 17. In John chapter 17, uh, Jesus is actually praying to God. This is his prayer. Uh, it's his uh, final prayer before he goes to the cross. It's called the high priestly prayer. And in this prayer, uh, John 17, verse 24, he says, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me. And here's the important part. Because you loved me before the foundation of the world. So this verse is saying that God loved Jesus before the foundation of the world. And that that, that means before creation, before he created the earth, before he created the heavens, before he created um you and I, he was loving Jesus. And if we if we jump back a couple chapters to John chapter 15, uh, Jesus is saying, actually, actually, that's not the one I want to go to. I want to go to, if we jump over to 2 Corinthians 3, 17, it says, the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So in, in 2 Corinthians, we see that the Lord is the spirit. And in John 17, we see that Jesus was with God, being loved by God before the foundation of the world. So we know that the Spirit and the Lord are, the, are one and the same. And when it, when it says Lord, it's referring to Jesus. So we know that the Spirit and Jesus are one and the same. And we know that Jesus was being loved by God before the foundation of the earth. So Jesus was with God before God created anything. So here we have an image of, of God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit coexisting with one another, all as one, as God, because God was, was the one that existed before the foundation of the world. But not only that, they were existing in a community of love. So when we think of the Trinity, we think of a community of love between three, three distinct persons. But that community is so strong that it that it forms one God. So so like there's no like Jonathan said, there's no way that we can fully grasp this, that we can wrap our minds around the complexity of it. God is is a very complex God, and we like I said, we can only understand as much about Him as He chooses to reveal to us. But knowing that He is a community of love, He is is the, the the God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit have been loving one another since eternity past, and they will and they will be loving one another until eternity future. And so we see this that that it's a community of love. And once we know this, we know that God created the the world. God created human beings to join in on that community of love. And he created human beings to to take part in that community of love, to know him in that community of love. And we'll actually get to that later when we talk about heaven. Uh, we'll get to that community of love and how we as humans play into that community of love. Um, but but for now, we're going to transition to the prayer question because we know that, that Jesus promised. So Jesus promised in John chapter 15. This is verses 26 and 27. But when the helper comes, the helper here is referring to the Holy Spirit. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, will bear witness about me. 
And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. So he's promising that he's going to send the spirit to come to us. And in Romans chapter eight, it tells us that the spirit intercedes on our behalf when we're praying to God, because it essentially says that we don't know the word. We don't we don't know the right words to pray to God. Like we can't express ourselves adequately to God when we just using our human words. And so it says that the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf with groanings too deep for words. And so the Holy Spirit is is in us as we're praying. The Holy Spirit is our advocate to the Father when we're praying to him. And it's it's it often confuses some people whether it's Jesus or the Holy Spirit that's residing in us. Because Jesus says, I will be with you even to the end of the age. But the whole he also promises that the Holy Spirit will be in us. But when we take this Trinitarian understanding of God, we know that the, the, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. And it is the spirit of God because Jesus is God. So the Holy Spirit is just the spirit of Jesus and the spirit of God. So when the Holy Spirit is inside of us, that is God indwelling in us. That, that is God's spirit and God indwelling inside of us. So it the Holy Spirit is the one that comes inside of us. But in that Holy Spirit, like Jonathan was saying, if you take away the Holy Spirit, it is still completely and fully God. There's no, there's no uh, aspects of God that the Holy Spirit is lacking. And so when the Holy Spirit's inside of us, that is God being inside of us. That is Jesus being inside of us. And the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf. So when we're praying to to God, we know that the Holy Spirit's interceding for us. We know that the Holy Spirit is with us, that the Holy Spirit is helping us to pray these things to God. And so we have, there are other verses that that we'll get to later that talk about um, the confidence that we have in praying to God. Actually, I'll get to it right now. So 1 John chapter 5. It talks about the confidence that we can have toward God when we pray to him. And in verses 14 and following in 1 John chapter 5, it says, And this is the confidence we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. So it's saying that that if we pray according to God's will, we know that he hears us. And we can know this because... Uh, the earlier in the book of first John, it talks about how we are children of God. And as our, as our position of children of God, this is where it comes to the, the confidence that we have. And in, in the end of first John five, it says that we have this confidence toward him. If we ask anything according to his will, that he hears us in that. And if he hears us, we know that we have the request that we've asked of him. So now you're going to say, okay, Christian, does this mean that I can ask God for whatever I want? And I'm going to have that. I'm going to have that request. The answer is no. God is not a vending machine. You can't walk up to God, press some buttons, and get whatever you ask for. The key phrase in this this passage that I just read is according to his will. If we ask anything according to his will, then he hears us. And so that that might seem like it's limiting. You're like, okay, well, well then that doesn't mean that, that God's hearing my prayers. That just means if I go to, to God and ask something that's already going to happen, then it's going to happen. Well, no duh. But that's not what it's saying either. It's, it's saying that we as Christians are supposed to have a renewed mindset. We know this um, from the book of Romans. It tells us that we have this, this renewed mindset, this transformed mind. And as we are being renewed and reborn and, and growing into the person that Jesus Christ would have us be, that, that he's shaping us into the process of sanctification, we know that we, our, our desires are going to align with Jesus's desires. And this is actually something that it mentions earlier in the book of first John. It says that, uh, as we grow closer to Christ, 
that our, our, our desires and our actions are going to grow closer to his desires and his actions. And so what it's saying here in this verse 14 is that as children of God, when we come before him, if our desires have come to be aligned with his desires through us growing closer to him and growing more like him, if our desires have come to be matching his desires, then that's when we know that we have what we asked of him. So we as Christians can have confidence that if we're continuing to continuing to work toward him, continuing to pursue him and seek him in everything that we do, then we can have confidence that he's hearing our requests and that we will have what we request of him. So one thing that we talked about, especially recently in our apologetic series, is faith. And faith, you have to have faith when... Um, basically in the entire in the entire realm of christianity there's just you have to have faith in um god's promises and what he's given us and even in prayer you know it may seem like you're talking to emptiness and it may seem like what you're saying is just it's not going anywhere but we have faith through god's word through his scriptures and what he's promised that he hears us, that he listens to us. And the whole reason God created us was to have a relationship with him so that we can know him. And now, I mean, we're created now and he still wants to have that relationship with us. He still wants us to pray to him and to go to him and to spend time with him. He doesn't want us to live our lives just forgetting about him. But we really are lives in Christ as a new creation. There's so much faith that we have to have. Um, and it's hard sometimes. It really is. But God has given us amazing promises through his word. And Christian just looked at one of them with prayer and how if we go to him and ask according to his will then god will hear us and grant us um, what we ask of him and it's it's an amazing thing an amazing blessing and a privilege as his children um, that he loves us this much and wants to have this deep relationship with us and so yeah there are times where it seems like you may be you know talking to God, but you know, he, it seems like he, he may not be listening or you're just talking for no reason, but God loves you and wants to have that relationship with you. Prayer can be a pretty difficult thing. And I speak from, you know, limited experience when I say this, obviously I haven't been on the earth very long and I haven't had, um, too many, incredibly difficult circumstances in my life where I had to spend days in prayer. Um, and even like I've heard of Christians that just literally lock themselves in a room and fast and pray because of, you know, how much their spirit yearns for something. Um, and I think that's sort of a Western culture thing that we have in terms of prayer where we kind of don't really tap into how powerful prayer is. And when I say that it's, it's, I mean, really, when you when you sit down to pray, is it is it? 
I hate to be legalistic about it or, or make it seem like, you know, we don't do enough in Western culture for, with prayer and everything. But I'm, I'm saying this from my own heart, um, like convictions that I've had about my own prayer life, um, where I feel like I don't give prayer enough time. Um, and I mean that in terms of like how, uh, how much time I spend in prayer and also how much time I give my prayers to be answered. Because uh, obviously God exists in a whole different time. Uh, he exists outside of time, but his his timing is different than ours. And it's usually longer than what we want. Because um, obviously we we want things when we want them and we want them now. So, uh, but, but God is, God's got his own timing. He's got his own plan for your life. Um, and we have to trust that. And we have to trust in, in the timing that he has for the answers for our prayers. Um, but at the same time, like, it's, you know, it says in James 5 that the prayer of a righteous person uh, can achieve great things. Um, and there's so many other verses, like a Christian brought up, that ask and you will receive. Um, uh, God will give you the desires of your heart uh, when you ask in uh, in his name. And, like, there's, there's so many great scriptures upon, you know, God answering prayer. Uh, but at the same time, we have to remember that, it, like it talks about in James, um, that when you pray, you should not doubt. And also uh, in James, uh, what is it? James 4, I think it is. It talks about um, you do not have because you don't ask. And you, when you ask, you ask wrongly because you ask to spend it on your passions. Or essentially you ask for a bunch of things to just spend it on your own passions. Um, we got to make sure that, that we're thinking about what God wants to do in every situation. And we're trying to pray for things of his will because we're trying to align our will with his will. And I know it's... Again, it's, it gets confusing, but just keep in mind that, that God always hears your prayers. Um, it's, it's never like there's a barrier between you and God and, and you know, he's just completely not listening. Uh, I do want to say one quick thing. Do take a look at your life. Um, and I'm saying this as much to me uh, as to anyone. Uh, if there's anything in your life right now that's really inhibiting uh, your relationship with God and that's sort of standing in the way of you growing in faith, um, that definitely will impact your prayers, especially when it's something like there's something in your life where you just can't let go of control over it, um, or you just, you know, you're trying to hide it from God. You're trying to just keep it separate from your Christian life. And, you know, you're doing your Christian life most of the time, but when it comes to this part of your life, you're just going to, you know, keep God separate from it. Um, and like we, we use the house analogy on this podcast a lot, but I think it's a great analogy. So uh, obviously your life is like a house. And if, you know, if you don't have your house fully open to God so he can clean every room and he can make it into a beautiful house, if you if you keep rooms separate from him, if you keep rooms locked, um, then God can't work fully in your life. He can't, you know, have full, full reign. So definitely take a look at your life. Be reflective upon um, what's going on in your life and, and, you know, certain situations and, you know, aspects of your life that you might might, might not be too proud of and, and go to God about them if there's something about, you know, if there's something you see that shouldn't be there, definitely go to God about that. Talk to him about it. You know, ask for help. Send, you know, ask God to send help. I know I've been asking God, especially in this time of COVID, to, to send me, you know, helpers to to keep me reminded of how important keeping the faith is. Um, obviously, we don't want to be, like I said, we don't want to be legalistic. Um, and we don't want to, you know, think about if we're, not, if we're not, you know, behaving perfectly and behaving like great Christians, then God won't hear our prayers or anything like that. That's, that's just not what it is. Obviously, we're all imperfect. But at the same time, we should always be reflective upon what's going on in our lives and be reflective upon, you know, if we're keeping anything from God because we don't want to lose control over it. Um, 
And with that, I want to put a note of encouragement that sometimes it's easy to lose sight of the fact that God is 100% able to satisfy you. He's 100% able to complete you. And I think sometimes we don't think that God can do that. We feel like, oh, man, there's just there's just part of my life that I just can't give up because I just feel like God can't complete me in that way. And I need this this thing or whatever it is. Um, and that's just not true. And we have to we have to let go of control of that thing and give it over to God. And I promise you that like, he will he will come through in the end. And it's just it happens all the time. Uh, so that's just a kind of an encouraging note to anyone who's, who's struggling with with prayer, especially that, yeah, definitely it seems like sometimes we're just praying to thin air, that we're just, uh, you know, releasing words into the ether or the aether or whatever they say, and they're just not having any impact. Um, but keep praying fervently. Keep praying, um, you know, really just be serious about it. Be humble before the Lord, and your prayers will be answered eventually in one way or another. Um, and keep striving on. Keep striving towards that prize. Like, never give up. You just Like Max said, you got to keep having faith. Because uh, there's going to be times when, when it feels like God is far away, and there's going to be times when you feel like you could just do anything with God at your side. Um, but there's always both times. So we have to make it through the times of hardship and, and enjoy the times of experience that we have with God. And real quick, I want to cover um, the way we pray. And, um, you know, people will often say, like, you should pray like you're talking to your best friend, or you should pray like... Um, you're talking to your dad or like some specific person just to kind of like get your mind more focused on it. But I, I kind of feel like we should push back on that just a little bit, in my opinion. Um, you guys can feel free to agree or disagree. But um, I think that it's not necessarily a specific way you should be praying to God or a specific image that you see God when you pray to him. Um, but it should be a relationship between you and God where, you know, we have God as our father who wants to have a relationship with us. He's adopted us, given us freedom into a new life. And it doesn't necessarily, we don't have to pray in a specific way. Um, but we should be focusing more on our relationship with him and growing that and having, um, having that bond between us and God and growing in Him, um, learning more from Him. Um, and also, it's um, it looks like, you know, sometimes you get in this habit of praying at a specific time or um, you're trying to make time for when you pray and so it's hard, you know, if you want to if you want it to make it not so scheduled or have it in a habit to where you feel like you just have to do it just to get it done. Um now the thing with that is if you do do it daily, that's amazing. That's a great blessing that you have. Um and I recommend to keep keep pushing daily to spend time in prayer with God that's that's something that I try to do every day make time for um and 
when it comes to having it as a schedule and you feel like you're just doing it at a specific time and you have this set list of what you pray about and it just seems repetitive, um, find other ways that you can pray, whether it's while you're walking, um, when you're at school, or if you see a fire truck or an ambulance go by, praying for whatever situation is going on there. Or if you see someone um, that you know or that you don't, um, you could even, as you see them walk by or sitting down or whatever, just pray for them. Um, There are different opportunities that you can find throughout your day to pray and to connect with God and just to say, God, here I am. Um, here's what I'm going through right now. Um, and deepen your relationship with him. And before we move on, I have one more like practical application for prayer that has really helped me in my own personal prayer life. And it, it helps you to be encouraged by seeing how much God actually responds and, and answers your prayers. Because so often it's tempting to pray for something and then expect an immediate result. And then when you don't see either an immediate result or the result that you had prayed for, when that never comes about, you just think that God ignored that prayer and he ignores the next prayer and he ignores the next prayer. And that's why it seems like we're just talking to air because it seems like we're not getting these answers from God. But what I would recommend is keeping a prayer journal. You write down what you pray for and then you wait and see how that situation, whatever you prayed for, see how it's resolved. And then you write that down right under uh, the prayer in your prayer journal. And then for every prayer, everything that you pray about, you write it down your, in your journal. And then as you start to get resolution and answers, you go back and write down what God did in response to that prayer. And what you'll notice is that it is almost never exactly what you asked for, but it is almost always what was best for you. Because we know that God has has our best interests and desires at heart. We know that Romans 8, 28, for all works out for the good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So we know that God's going to work everything out for the good for his children. But what we don't, what it's hard to wrap our heads around is that what is good and best for us isn't always what we think is best for us. It's not always that thing that we have an image in our mind and we think, oh, I I need it to work out this way because that's the only way it'll work for me. Because God has has a much greater plan. And if you keep that prayer journal, you write down the things that you pray for and then write down the the response that, that you received from God, no matter if it's a week down the road, a month down the road, or a year down the road, that you go back and write down how God responded to that. You can look back and see how each and everything you prayed for, God addressed specifically. And he addressed in a way that that you did you may not have seen coming, but a way that was probably better than what you asked for in the first place turned out better for you down the road. So now we're going to transition to the third question. The third question was about heaven. Uh, We know that the Bible talks about heaven. It talks about this place uh, that's called heaven. And a lot of times we in the Christian American Christian church say that the point of the Christian life is to get to heaven, that God sent Jesus so we could be saved and we could go to heaven. And that seems to be the prevailing narrative, but I've actually been been researching this a lot this week in preparation for this this podcast and answering this question, and I've found some really interesting things about heaven and the things that the Bible says about heaven. And one of the most interesting things is that whenever the Bible um, contrasts two things, heaven and something else, 
uh, often we as Christians say heaven and hell. Those are the two contrasting things. But the Bible actually takes heaven and earth and puts them uh, contrasting one another. And the reason that it does this is because heaven is the place where God resides and earth is the place where humans reside. Uh, In the Garden of Eden, before the fall of sin, so God created the world and he created Adam and Eve and had them in in the garden. Uh, that was in Eden. And it wasn't until they they did the first sin, they were tempted by Satan to eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that God's reside or God's um, the place where God resides and the place where humans reside were separated. Because we know that God walked around in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. And so for a time before the fall, there was an overlap between the place where God lives and the place where humans live. And that overlap was the Garden of Eden where they could interact with one another and everything was perfect. There was no um, pain in the world. There was no suffering in the world and pain and suffering all came about as a result of sin. And so rather than seeing the Bible story as God's attempt to save us from hell and to bring us to heaven, we should see the Bible story as God's attempt to restore his creation, to restore what he had made, what he had intended for creation in the first place that we humans went and messed up, that God has God created heaven and earth to be in in harmony with one another. And he created that, that, that's how it was in the Garden of Eden. And we're promised that after the the battle of Revelation, um, the great battle between the the spiritual powers of this world, we are promised that God will restore his creation. There will be a new heaven and a new earth, and it will go back into that harmony that existed in the Garden of Eden. And so heaven is often displayed People, people think of it as, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, us being spiritual beings that will be floating around in heaven, worshiping God for eternity. But if you look at the, the scriptures that talk about heaven, you see that it doesn't say this at all, that actually the scriptures talking about heaven describe a physical place. And it makes sense because if you think about it, he promises that he's going to restore heaven and earth and create a new heaven and a new earth. And so looking at this, we know that there's going to be a physical aspect to the new heaven and the new earth. It's not just simply going to be a spiritual um, place like we imagine. We imagine that we're going to lose our physical bodies. And we imagine that this loss of our physical bodies is going to result in us being in some spiritual place. But the Bible actually says that there, just as there is a physical body, there is also a spiritual body. And these spiritual bodies will be, will be given to us in the new heaven and the new earth. In Revelation 21, we see John's vision. So the Apostle John had a vision of what the new heaven and the new earth will look like. And in starting in verse 2, it says, And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It was prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. And he heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he goes on to describe the city. He goes on to talk about the streets of gold and there's a gate made of uh, pearls and the walls are made of jade. He talks about this, this physical city that we're going to be living in. But the one difference is that it's going to be a restored creation. And we know that Jesus Jesus told us about the purpose of, of God creating humans. He said that, that all of the commands that God gives us, all of the law and all of the prophets, it's all wrapped up into two commands, to love God and to love your neighbor. 
And if you love God and love your neighbor perfectly, then you will be perfectly obeying the law that God has given us. And so if this new heaven and this new earth that that is promised to us is the restored version of original creation, then that means it's it's going to be like living on earth, except everybody's going to be living in perfect love. And everybody who who was saved in Jesus Christ is going to have a place in this new on this new earth. And they're going to have the ability to we're going to we're still going to have responsibilities. The difference is that the toiling and the the heat and the getting tired and our bodies wasting away and getting old, that is going to be no more. It's going to be amazing. We're going to have have a great time. Now, you may be wondering what happens to those people who don't come to salvation in Jesus Christ. Well, the story of salvation in Jesus Christ is God calling us to humble ourselves before him, to submit ourselves to him, and to begin to form ourselves or to, to allow him to form us into the image of Jesus Christ. People who, who don't do that are essentially saying that they're too good for that, that they, they're too good to humble themselves before God for that. And so those people who don't reside in the new heaven and the new earth, God is going to send um, to a place where he'll allow them to live on and in their, uh, in their pride and in their selfishness. And, and ultimately the Bible says that they're going to be, they're going to be with Satan. They're going to end up with Satan um, in his, his flaming destiny that, that the Bible talks about, um, many of us refer to it as hell, that those people who don't come to salvation in Jesus Christ are going to be forbidden from the new heaven and the new earth. They're not going to be able to experience that amazing uh, life that we're going to live, that we're going to go about doing, doing, having responsibilities and interacting with one another, but it's all going to be perfectly motivated by love. I do want to add just one small thing to what Christian said about, um, or what he was talking about, what heaven will be like. Um, this is just an add-on to what Christian said. So Christian obviously brought up so many awesome points about it. And obviously we, scripture doesn't tell us too many things about, you know, the way the, the heaven will be like, or the new heavens and the new earth. We don't know too much about it in terms of detail wise, other than the fact that it's, it's going to happen. But, uh, a lot of uh, my friends, uh, my Christian friends think that there will be that there will be similar processes in heaven or on the new heaven and the new earth, sort of like what we have on today's earth. Because again, like Christian said, you have to remember that originally this earth that we live on now was created perfect and God thought it was good. Um, obviously we decided to choose a different path than the path that God originally intended. Um, but for example, like when uh, Adam and Eve were put in the garden of Eden, um, God, uh, they were, they were working the garden of Eden. They were toiling, they were working the grounds. Uh, and this is before the fall, this is before sin. Um, so this, you know, by this, we can tell that God created work, uh, as you know, as perfect, that work was a good thing. Um, I know we don't view work as a good thing now, uh, definitely probably because of our sin nature, but almost every person that you'll talk to, and I'll say this with a begrudging heart, uh, that if, if, you know, when, if you don't work, you feel just kind of terrible inside, like you're not doing anything. Um, and now I know that work is tiring, so we obviously need our rest too. But like working with your hands or just working in general, like working with your mind, doing some kind of work, whether it's for God, whether it's for uh, you know support your family, support church, whatever, um, like it feels good to work. It feels good to rest, obviously. It feels good to watch Netflix. And like, I'm not lying, those things feel awesome to do. It feels good to be lazy. But at the same time, when you don't work for a while, man, you just feel like a vegetable. You feel terrible. Like you don't want to get off the couch. Like you just feel low energy. Um, so even physically, like we 
we as humans, like it's good for us to work. And so a lot of people think that there will be uh, jobs in heaven. They think that there will be like perfect work um, in the sense of we're not going to be standing around or sitting in a pew for eternity worshiping God. Not that that's a bad thing, um, but it'll definitely some things will probably resemble certain things that God created on this earth. Um, not to say that a lot of things will be different, because I'm sure a lot of things will be different. Um, but at the same time, I think it's going to be a little bit less like we're, you know, singing praises and worshiping all the time, rather than us, you know, sort of living in a way that glorifies God all the time. And I think that's kind of an important distinction to make. Again, not that sitting in a church worshiping God for eternity would be a bad thing, because I think when you're in heaven, you're not going to really care too much. So... But that's just kind of a note on that, that there were, there will probably be some form of work and jobs, whether it looks like it does now or it looks like something completely different. Um, there will definitely be plenty of stuff to do in heaven, I, I'm, I'm guessing. So God's got it all worked out. Have faith that he's uh, heaven's not going to be a boring place, I'll tell you that. Um, even if it is worshiping God for all eternity uh, in a church, like it's that's not going to be boring. That's going to be so cool. I mean, you're thinking about being in the presence of God here. This is literally the the amount of glory is is insurpassable. I mean, people literally have died in Scripture, or or Moses was like, "Hey God, show me show me your glory," and God was like, oh, "Nope, uh, buddy, you you drop dead if I did that." So we're, we're talking about being in the presence of God here. We are probably not going to be worrying about too much about being bored. So that's just a just a quick note on that. But transitioning into the last question. Um, the sort of the you know how do i invite friends of youth group or how do i talk with friends about about my faith um this is a really tough one because like i know i struggle all christians struggle with this let's be honest especially with friends that you're closer with um that are non-christians it's really difficult to talk to them about not only you know your faith but also invite them to youth group and stuff because you, you feel like they'll view you differently um, they'll view you as a nuisance now or whatever because you you won't stop bothering them about the Christian faith. Um, it's it is really a difficult thing. You, you don't want to lose the relationship and the friendship that you have with those people because I'm sure that they're great people. Uh, and it's 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 really kind of a tough gray area where. But you got to remember, we are called um, to be witnesses and lights in the darkness. Um, at the same time that we're called to be you know, we're called to love our neighbors and everything. We're called to share Jesus. So I will say that Jesus takes priority over the relationship with, with those friends, as bad as that is to say, and it's, as hard as that might be to hear. Uh, I know I don't live like that. Um, I'm probably just talking out thin air that I don't back up with my own words because I have plenty of non-Christian friends that I don't. Um, I mean, even my roommates are non-Christians, and I don't talk with them about God all the time. And I should probably do better about that um, now that I'm thinking about it. But one thing I will say, your life should definitely reflect the kind of relationship that you have with God. And what I'll say about that is people notice when you are strong in your faith and that you've got something different that other people don't have, that you've got a completeness and a satisfaction and a contempt with uh, a content, not contempt, content with, you know, your life and where you are with God and your relationship with God and how strong you are uh you know, spiritually and grounded in your faith. And people definitely notice that. I know I've, I think I've shared this story on the podcast, but we were literally playing volleyball with, with some people on the beach. Um, this was a, this was a while ago. Uh, and literally the guy 
some random guy after we finished playing was just like, hey, are you guys Christians because you act like you are? I mean, like, you just don't expect people to notice stuff like that, but they do. People 100% notice when you're living for God and you're living for Christ. Um, and if they're, if they're not noticing, maybe there's something you need to reflect upon in your Christian life. Uh, just, <laughs> I don't want to make that seem too weird, but uh, definitely people do notice when you're, when you're living for God. Because as a Christian, you just sort of do things differently and you, you view life differently. You've got a different perspective and people definitely notice that. So I will say that the, it's an awesome conversation starter when people notice uh, especially with your friends when they, when you know you do things for your friends that other people don't do or you know you just you sort of have a a love towards your friends that other people don't have like your friends will notice that and it's it's a really cool thing and one thing i want to jump in on and sort of go along with what jonathan said is um yeah you want to live um live your life in a way that glorifies God and is a light to other people. Um, but I also think that verbally, if you're not verbally proclaiming Christ, then um, you're doing a disservice to those you shine a light to. And, you know, like Jonathan said, I could definitely get better at this. Um, but a quick story on why verbally saying that you're a Christian is a good thing and um why that's important is one time i was working at chick-fil-a and one of my co-workers she came up to me and she's like you know you're a really nice person are you a mormon and that just kind of struck me like oh no i'm 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 a christian like we christians need to let their lives and words um, go hand in hand. You can't be living one thing and saying another thing. And if people recognize you by your actions, but if you're not telling them you're a Christian, then you're not. Your light isn't shining and pointing to something greater. Um, it's not pointing to God. And so it's important that your words and your actions line up together. Um, and in terms of bringing, you know, friends to youth group, it's definitely hard sometimes. Um, I don't know if I've ever been able to successfully do that, but um, keep trying. Don't, don't give up. Don't press too hard to where, you know, you lose that friend, but keep going, keep being faithful to what God has called you to do and be a light to those people around you. And what does it mean to live as a Christian lives and to, to show them Christ through your actions? What does that even, what does it look like? What does it mean? There are a couple things we can do. Uh, we know that we're called by Jesus to love our neighbors. We know that, that he said that's one of the two most important commandments. One of the two greatest commandments is to love your neighbor as yourself. And so if we go out of our way to do things for them that other people wouldn't do, then they'll see that and they'll be like, hmm, something's different about that person that is I've never seen in anybody before. But in addition to that, in addition to loving them, I've noticed that the more open and honest I am in a relationship with a friend, the more avenues it gives me to talk to them about Christ and to talk to them about 
going to youth group because I talk to them about my struggles. I say, Hey man, I've been struggling with this and I've just been praying about it. And they see that, man, when, when Christian struggles with something, he goes and prays about it. Like what, why does he immediately go talk to God about it? When, when I would go talk to friends or my parents, like if we are just honest about what we do in our lives and, and really opening up to people and allowing them to, to come into our lives, then they can see how, how important Christ really is to us. And that'll make an impact on them noticing how important he is to us and wondering why they don't have him in their life or wondering how their life could be different if they had Christ in their life. And inviting them to, to youth group is just a step on that process that because a lot of times you'll have friends that you hang out with and every Wednesday night or every Sunday night you go to youth group and they're like, man, why can't I hang out with you on Wednesday nights? Or why can't I hang out with you on, on Sunday nights? And you say, well, I go to youth group. Uh, we, we get together. It's me and a bunch of the students from my church. We get together, we play games, we have fun. We have talk to one another. We read the Bible together. Um, and you just, you invite them. You say, Hey, uh, I'd love for you to come one day. It's, it's a really great experience. I can introduce you to my friends at church. And it's, it's really, it's a really easy, uh, transition. If you, if, if they begin asking you questions about Christ in your life and you say, well, I have this great youth group and I'd love for you to come join me. And so the more open and honest you are with people, the more loving you are to them, the more it can, can really bleed into your, into their lives. The Christ from your life can really bleed into their lives and they can begin to have that relationship with him. Now, one final thing I want to address before we close out this episode in relation to this, this question is what about friends who, who constantly bring up contradictions and, and objections to the gospel and objections to Jesus and the Bible? What about those friends who, who think that they're too smart for Christ in the Bible? Well, if I were you, uh, and, and you don't feel comfortable answer, answering these questions, because a lot of times people ask questions that I just don't know the answer to. And I'd have to go back and research it myself to figure out the answer. Um, there are some great Christian resources that you can point your friends to. Uh, if, if you, you can't point them to a pastor or a mentor or a leader in the church to answer their questions, there are great websites. Like if it's science-based, if their objections are science-based, great websites like answers in Genesis answers in Genesis has a lot of articles, like, like hundreds of maybe even thousands of articles, um, answering scientific objections to Christianity and objections to the Bible, uh, things like evolution and things like there can't be a God because the universe is billions of years old and and all these things and creation, the, the earth was never created. It was the Big Bang Theory. And all these theories, Answers in Genesis has articles addressing each and every single one of them. So that's a great resource to point people to. Uh, but like I said, I would also recommend having, if they have a lot of questions, referring them to somebody uh, an older mentor in the church or a pastor at the church who can help them help walk them through these questions. Um, it's just great if you can get them connected in with the church and inviting them to youth group is one way to do that because then they'll be able to start making connections within the church and that'll allow them to build those relationships where they can ask those questions and come to see that the Bible really is consistent with itself and that Christianity is consistent with science. So this this episode has been great. I've enjoyed going into these four questions about uh, the Trinity, prayer, heaven, and apologetics, like sharing your faith with friends. I've really enjoyed going into these things. Uh, these these questions from this listener, they were it was such a great 
uh, email that we got from this this person. And I I really hope that that we've answered her questions. I really hope that if she has any more questions, if any of you guys have any questions about things we've said today, things we've said in the past, or even things you're reading in the Bible, things you're you're experiencing, you're learning about things you you don't necessarily know about that maybe you're doubting or you're questioning, reach out to us with those questions. We'd love to answer them for you. We'd love to help help you walk them through or help help you walk through them uh, like we have today on the podcast. We we'd love to answer your questions on the podcast. So we just thank you so much for for listening to this episode. Uh, if you guys want to get in contact with us to to give us those questions or to give us an encouragement or a, a objection or really anything, uh, you can reach out to us on Instagram or Facebook at Living Victory Podcast. You can email us. Uh, each individual host has his own email at Christian Jonathan or Max at livingvictorypodcast.com. Uh, you could also email our general email, which is questions at livingvictorypodcast.com. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. We, we really want to build this community with you guys. And if you guys have listened to the show and you like it and you think that it's worth, um, if, if, if you really want to help us grow, there are some ways that you can help us grow. The first ways that you can help us grow are completely free. They only take a couple minutes of your time. Um, and those are giving us a rating and review on the, the iTunes podcast store or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Ratings and reviews, uh, they really help us grow and climb up the rankings in the podcast categories. And that's how we can get eyes on this podcast. That's how we can help more people hear the truth of Jesus Christ that we're sharing, the truth of the gospel that we share in this podcast every single week. So if you guys could do that, it only takes uh, one or two minutes of your time to go on to the wherever you get your podcasts and to leave a rating and review to help us grow up those charts and help us uh, get this word out there about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Also, you can share this episode with a friend or share any of our episodes with your friends. If you have a friend who, who has had these questions or you know a friend who's had these doubts uh, or, or you think that this episode could really help build them up in their faith, uh, go ahead and share this episode with them. Uh, a, lot of people, a lot of people want to share Christ with people. They want to help their friends in their faith, their faith journey, but they're not sure what to say. This podcast is a great resource that you can point your friends to, to help them um, come up with answers. Or if they even have questions themselves, you can have them email us the questions or send us the questions on Instagram or Facebook. We'd love to help help them walk through those, help help uh, show them in the Bible where those questions are answered. And there are also a couple more ways that you can help support us that uh, involve money. Um, the first one is merchandise. You can buy some merchandise. We have a, have a great partnership with Victorious Co. Apparel. Uh, it's a great Instagram company that that is a Christian apparel company. They've begun making merchandise for us. You can find the link in the show notes to buy our merchandise, but also on our Instagram, uh, we have a, a post that talks about the, we have a post that talks about the the apparel. And then on our website, you can find the link to buy the apparel as well. They have masks and, and t-shirts and hoodies and um, coffee mugs. Uh, sweatshirts. It's a really great um, way to represent the podcast and to help support us um, because we get we get 10% of the proceeds that you spend on the, the merchandise. But also we have a brand new way that you can support us that we just set up this week. And that is uh, direct donations. That you, This podcast is only possible because of people like you, people who listen and people who are just supporting us along on this journey. Uh, it's, it's, it's a commitment for us to come together and to make this podcast once a week. It, it involves recording time and researching time and preparation. Uh, we want to make sure that this effort that we're putting in, that we're reaping the rewards that we're really, uh, doing the best we can to help spread the gospel through this show. 
And one of the ways we can do that is by advertising this show um, in different places around the internet to help people uh, become aware that this show exists and really come, uh, well, first become aware of it, but then come listen and hear the gospel of Christ. So any donations that you that you send our way will be, 100% of them will be put back into the show, into advertising, into growing the show, and into preparing to make sure that that we can reach as many people with the gospel as we can. So if you'd like to donate to us, you can visit our link, which is paypal.me slash livingvictorypodcast. If you visit that link, it'll take you directly to our donation, our, our PayPal donation link, and you can send us money to help us um, begin the advertising process, to help us advertise this show around the internet, to help people become aware of it. You can also visit our website to find that link to, to donate to us. So we thank you so much for listening to us. We thank you so much for being, being faithful listeners, for supporting us through this entire journey. Uh, we really want to glorify, glorify God through this journey. We want to make sure that we can spread the gospel, that we can share the great news of Jesus Christ through this journey. So we thank you so much for being along with us on this ride, uh, because you guys are in it with us. You guys are our supporters. We, like I said, we couldn't do this without you. You are the most important part of the show. You, the listener. So we thank you so much for being with us every week, for listening to the show and for reaching out to us. We want to continue to this conversation, continue to have you guys reach out to us. So we want to thank you for listening to this podcast. And as always, love each other and shine your light.